Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review. My name's Chris, and joining me this week, we've got Dave. Hello. And, and that's it? Just me and you, Dave? Just uh, like, like old times. It is. How are things, sir? Everything good? Yes, not too bad, thank good, you. Good, good. Unfortunately, not a good week in football, I suppose, for you, but uh, at least it's no, uh, all right. We'll have to get used to that, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, all, well... 18 teams in the Premier League have been in action at the time of recording. We are recording just ahead of the Wolves-Man United game, which is probably now going to be the game of the weekend. Uh, both teams will sack their managers. Uh, and everything is, as, as tends to be the way when we record uh, on, a, on a Monday. Um, so, uh, once again, there was some controversy from, well, not just from VAR this weekend, I suppose. Um, but quite a few goals started around the grounds. But I was just saying today before we started recording, not actually that much action I suppose is probably the best way to put it so we'll start with the early kickoff on Saturday which was the mighty Arsenal uh, bringing their title winning campaign uh, at home to a start uh, when they faced off against shit SFC Burnley um, Danny Caballo and David Luiz made their debuts uh, basically starting at home for the first time um, yeah uh, Arsenal come away with a 2-1 win thanks to goals from Lacazette and Aubameyang uh, and of course, Ashley Shithouse Barnes managed to pull one back for Burnley. Did you see this game, Dave? I did. Yes, I enjoyed it actually. Um, I was expecting Arsenal to be uh, the dominant team, but to be quite honest, other than the early goal, I thought Burnley uh, were worth their equaliser. And then mm-hmm. second half, Emery I think put a rocket up his at half time, and second half was much better from your point of view. Um, Aubameyang obviously took his goal well. He only needs one chance, doesn't he? Uh, and he took that very well, but uh, for all Barnes is a shit house. Um, Burnley played less strength, unfortunately, and he, yeah, yeah. he's he's very good at it. I think um, very few people have scored as many goals as, as Barnes has this year. I think they were, yeah. they were showing his like uh, his, his record since the end of last season. Uh, I think like Mane and Aguero had scored more goals than him, but not many other people had. No, I mean that says it already, doesn't it? He's. Uh, Kind of surprised he hasn't had a, a bigger move by now. Um, but then again, there's very few teams who play the same style of Burnley. And, that, that's uh, the thing. Does he fit in anywhere? Yeah, I mean, you know, playing devil's advocate, he'd be a good replacement for Troy Deeney at Watford if they fancy uh, upgrading. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe that's for another day. But no, I thought uh, I thought Burnley were a lot better than I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, for all last season, they were, they were pretty turgid for a long time. Um, I was, you know, quite impressed with, with how they went about it, but fundamentally they weren't good enough to hold you off uh, the whole match. Yeah, they're, they're, they're rigid, aren't they? It's probably mm. the, the one way to describe them, which is, which is where they kind of suffered last season. Their defence was a bit lacking at times. I know they had a lot of injuries early on in the season. Well, Pope, Pope's a damn sight better than Hart, let's yeah, be fair. Yeah, that's the thing, um, and Pope kept them in the game. It, it's, I, I, I think we were a little more dominant um, than... We get we will we'll get credit for because we kept we hit we did hit a lot of walls uh, attacking them you know but Burnley were difficult to break down 
I think it's quite interesting. And so Martin Keown actually said something that I agreed with on commentary for a change. It's Arsenal sort of team when they go to places like Burnley and aren't steamrolling them, they get a lot of cri- uh, they get a lot of criticism for it. Mm, yeah. Stuff. But I think Burnley will do that to a lot of teams this season because they were very organised and they do just play. I think as I heard it described all Saturday afternoon, Brexit football. <laughs> um, have you seen the clip of Danny Savio when he came off? Uh, no, I haven't. No. So he came off, and I think he was talking to Mkhitaryan on the beat on on the bench, and you, the cameras on him, and literally all he was doing was the long ball gesture. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well. and, and appa- apparently, what was being said was that he was uh, he couldn't believe how they were just literally lumping it to the big man and, and stuff like that. But that, that's that's Burnley's tactic that when, when you've got Chris Woods and uh, uh, Chris Wood and um, Ashley Barnes up front. It, it, it's a tactic that's going to work because they will cause most defenders. Problems like I, apart from you know, I think Liverpool's defense gets a lot of praise. I don't think they'd cope with the two of them. They are big, they throw their weight around. Oh, I mean, um, last and, season, uh, I mean, Bur- Burnley scored twice at Anfield, I think. Mm-hmm. I think there were two set pieces, of course, there were, but still, I mean, that's kind of what they what they do. So, um, as you say, there'll be there'll be better teams than you who are coming under, under pressure from Burnley, I think. Yeah, definitely. So, before I, I start um, drooling about the Danny Sabayo show, um, one thing I, wanted, I did notice is that, um, Everything attacking wise from Burnley goes through Dwight McNeil, which mm. is literally he's he's their only wild card, I suppose, because again they have an established way of play. Like sometimes I was watching that game and expecting to see Sam Allardyce on the on <laughs> in the dugout. Such was the it, it, it's it's hard not to call it anti football. No, but it is. I remember making this <laughs> this point when I went to see them play Newcastle last January. Um, Every time there's a free kick given against them, their guy picks the ball up and runs runs away with it, and then you can't restart the game. Every throw in, they pay the pinch as many yards as possible. Mm-hmm. If they're winning, you know they take forever to do everything. Um, they just it's it's probably called street smart in some places, but it is anti football. Like yeah. let's call it what it is. Like it's the type of stuff you hate when it's not your own team doing it. Yeah, and it's frustrating, especially as Sean Dyche has been making these stupid comments again, uh, moaning about diving this weekend, but then I, I don't recall seeing a single dive in the in the game. I think there was the one instance where Ashley Barnes kicked the shit out of Gwendouzi until he fell over. Um, <laughs> At the very end, when... Uh, did you see this? It was like the last play of the game, and Burnley were, I wouldn't say running for, but they were making their way down the left touchline, and you saw like Barnes in the middle trying to get in the box, and they just ended up kicking someone over. Oh, and the ref- he kicked over Kalasanak. <laughs> yes, well, the, ref- yeah. the ref gave a free kick against him, and Sean Dyche is going ballistic about him. I'm like, well, you cannot complain about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it is weird of Sean Dyche to, to have those rants when, yeah, his team play the way they do, and I. If it works for them, it works for them. It quite clearly does. They are, but they are the new Stoke in a way, which a lot yeah. of people will probably take as an insult. But you know, you, you can only work with what you've got, I suppose. Um, and yeah, and I think Burnley they do look better this season for it, and they will cause teams problems. Uh, On to Arsenal, then. I thought uh, David Luiz was was great at the back. He had a, a really good game as I, against a Burnley t- team that were physical and. Um, Will cause a lot of problems. One thing I liked about him towards the end when Burnley were chasing an equaliser, there was a, there was a period where they had a corner and David Luiz headed the ball over his own bar. Yes, which is something you don't see Arsenal defenders do very often. No, he was very calm in mm-hmm. those kind of situations, which again is not something I was uh, associated with him. But um, he is—he's been around the block a few times now, hasn't he? He's mm-hmm. not exactly a young and reckless anymore. Um, 
I thought he was very good, um, especially as I kind of thought Wood and Barnes would, would, would trot all over him. Yeah. Um, he didn't really let that happen. Mm-hmm. That I can remember. Obviously, Socrates in, would enjoy that sort of thing because he's he likes yeah. he likes to get into fights <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I see why Chambers didn't play despite having a great game last weekend. Uh, but yeah, I, I was really impressed with, with Louise. You know, he, he played a few long balls, uh, which he's which he's known for, and I think Aubameyang will have a field day with those and stuff like that. Uh, but the 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 man of the, the hour, basically, Danny Ceballos, who we've got on loan from Real Madrid. Absolutely phenomenal. I don't yeah, recall an good. Arsenal debut this good in a long time. He he played as a number eight and a number ten, switching mm. it up a bit, and everything went through him. He was a he was a heartbeat, and I'm really hoping that we can keep him after this is the one game. <laughs> that was good, very good. Um, my initial reaction was, how are they going to fit him and Özil into this team? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, why would you bother shoehorning Özil in when he when he when Ceballos is playing like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's wearing Ramsey's number eight shirt and already gave us more than Ramsey ever did. I was going to say he actually played a little bit like Ramsey. Um, I know you're not Ramsey's biggest fan, but the way he was carrying the ball through midfield, which mm-hmm. is, I don't think, something you, you really have other than uh, other than Ramsey, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's something we haven't really had since Wilshire, and then yeah. we didn't really have that that often with him. Yeah. But but signs are good if you can get. I mean, if you've got an option to buy him, I would suggest you do. <laughs> yeah, there isn't an option to buy him. Apparently, Real Madrid were, were, were open to having one put in, but he didn't want it in because he he wants to prove himself and play at Madrid. Ah, um, right. But I, th- I I generally think if he he wants forty games a season, if he gets forty games out of us, because he apparently he got like thirty games for Madrid last season, like in in the various competitions and stuff like that. But yeah, it, yeah. it just it isn't in their plans. I think if he can get the forty games a season and be an integral part of it, uh, and we have a good season, he, I think we could possibly have the chance to keep him, which would be really really really, really good. Um, but yeah, he he was really impressive. Um, and say so this is by nowhere anywhere near Arsenal's strongest team. Obviously, they've got Bellerin and, and Tierney, who I imagine will come into the side uh, yes. at some point. Uh, Torreira is just coming back to fitness. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were critical of Torreira not starting, but he's only just come back from the Copa America and stuff like that as well. He came on and looked pretty good as well. So do you think Torreira will start ahead of Guendouzi going forward? Or do you think... It, yeah. I mean, presumably, Jacques will always be in there as the captain now, but... Not necessarily, but yeah, I think I think he'll come in for Gwen Doozy. It, it depends on who we're playing. I know mm. at times Emery will play the two of them together, and he, he has done. I think, but I think the reason um, Gwen Doozy gets in with Torreira is because Gwen Doozy is a player who will carry the ball forward. Yes, and stuff, yeah. But he goes forward and it kind of stops at the edge of the final third and then looks for a pass. Whereas Sabeo will will go in and and then keep running with the ball if he has to, uh, and you know, so he gives us something different there. So yeah, I can see probably Torreira coming in. Uh, for Guendouzi there. Xhaka, yeah, probably will play more often than not. Uh, I think the one thing we'll see is I don't think you'll see Mkhitaryan making many appearances this is. I think Ertzel will probably come back into the team at some point. I don't think Mkhitaryan will, will play that many games now, if, uh, if he stays. Well, he'll be, he'll be a Europa League player, won't he? Um, unless, of course, as you say, you can shift him between now and the end of August. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I think probably from your point of view, you'd probably see the likes of Nelson getting games yeah. and Willock rather than Mkhitaryan, who... Seems like a bit of a busted flush to me, but uh, you know he's obviously got something in his locker somewhere. But you haven't really seen at Arsenal. Yeah, I say I think Nelson will fill the Iwobi role. No, you know coming down playing out on the left and stuff. But he's more of a natural winger than Iwobi yeah. was. Uh, and yeah, Chris, uh, not Chris Willock, Joe Willock. Um, uh, yeah, he's done really well. He he 
he, him and Sabeo swap will swap in roles during the game and stuff like that. You know, so yeah, I think it's yeah. bright. I can't, I can't wait to see our first team. Uh, we've got Liverpool next weekend, though. I think that's our first big test. Um, yeah, because they've they've kind of ran over you a couple of times recently, haven't they? With, yeah, last season. Obviously, they've got a lot, a lot, a lot of pace and power in there, and mm-hmm. something you don't really deal that well with. But uh, who does really? <laughs> yeah, uh, might as well go on to Liverpool then. Uh, so they uh, played against uh, Liverpool reserves uh, at Southampton, uh, <laughs> coming coming away a two-one win. Um, Adrian, who was injured in midweek. But he's celebrating his penalty heroics in the Europe Super Cup final. He was injured celebrating with a fan, apparently. Yeah, he was. I've seen this. Uh. <laughs> the fan stood on his ankle or something, didn't they? Yeah, it, was, it seemed like he wasn't going to play, but he obviously yeah, must have yeah, stopped, stopped him up well and good. But yeah, there was a lot of talk on, fr- on like Friday, Friday evening that he wasn't going to play, and that Andy Lonergan was going to get his first uh, Premier League start and stuff like that, and then we didn't. Uh, Alex Oxide Chamberlain made his first Premiership start, you know, in almost a year and a half. Uh, uh, Joe Gomez was was dropped for Matip, which weirdly I saw a lot of Liverpool fans celebrating. Um, which yeah, is, which is strange. What's that about? Yeah, uh, Liverpool came away two one winners. Um, now, from the highlights I've seen, I've seen the highlights of this, and I've seen like obviously it's Liverpool, so Sky Sports show as much of this game as fucking possible over the weekend. Um, Liverpool, I don't think Liverpool looked that good again, but yeah, they're saying that they dominated Southampton. I don't think they were ever going to play that well. I think it's actually quite unfair that they had to play on Saturday, having played 120 minutes in Istanbul on Wednesday yeah. night. No, no, I agree. Um, De- and, it's not, and it's not like it was on telly, so they couldn't have moved it. I'm, I'm guessing, I know every game's on abroad, but in terms of UK telly, it wasn't on Sky. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on Sky Island or anything like that, but um, that shouldn't matter. Like You could see it was always going to be a, a tough game. I mean, Southampton... I think people, well, I know when we did the preview pods, a lot of people were expecting Southampton to finish kind of upper mid-table, mm-hmm. you know, like the 10th, 11th kind of thing. But um, if Che Adams, who has spent a lot of money on, doesn't fire, then they're not really any better off than they were last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be the problem so far, is they don't have many goals in that team. Yeah. Uh, the goal the, the goal they got here was fortunate, I think, it to say the least. The yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Danny Ings has got his detractors, but even he couldn't miss that. Um but uh, Liverpool would be pleased to get the points. I don't think they'd be that bothered about how they played, given what the kind of a week they've had. Yeah, I saw uh, super pundit Stephen Warnock on Sky this afternoon. He was uh, he was going oh because of the, because uh, Liverpool uh, Southampton got a late goal and then uh, Ings had a chance to win it, didn't he? Basically, uh, literally right at the oh, death yes. when the ball came across the box and he missed it. Uh, yeah, Stephen Warnock was like, "Oh, people are people are saying that Liverpool held on for the result, but they were absolutely dominant in that game." And I'm thinking, "Well, no, they weren't, mm-hmm. and they did they did get away with a result because the team doesn't matter how how well you play, the team you were playing missed a, a great chance to equalise in the last minute. So yeah. you know you, you've come away with a result. Um, I think I think from what McAnally was saying on uh, on Soccer Saturday that once it was two 0 Southampton were, were dead and buried. They, they didn't look like getting back into it. Then obviously once they got the goal gifted to them, they, they obviously had a, a second wind and yeah. obviously battered them for the last five minutes. But uh, it's it's one of those where Liverpool will not care in the slightest. Yeah, that's the thing. And I say it's it's alright saying Liverpool. You know, Southampton were dead and buried. It doesn't that doesn't still necessarily mean that Liverpool played that well. 
but they didn't have to play that well and the, the understand with they, they had the tarnish in it it'll be interesting to see what they're like when they are firing all, all cylinders you know uh, obviously there was a, there was a small amount of rotation in the squad I think Origi didn't start and stuff like that um, so you know we'll, we'll see how it goes as I say Mane scored an absolute cracker uh, Firmino scored and then obviously uh, Adrian did his best to make sure Alisson gets his <laughs> shirt back as soon as he's injured um, is there something about being a Liverpool goalkeeper that causes you to make ridiculous mistakes it's looking that way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Adrian's, he's always been kind of like a 7 out of 10 goalkeeper, so putting him in a team like Liverpool's is, uh, is asking for trouble, like, because any mistake he makes is going to be it's going to be magnified, especially if it costs him any points, God forbid. Um, he'll never play again, the way, that, you know, the way their fans go on about this sort of thing. Mm. Poor Carriers has never really recovered. Yeah, it, 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 there was talk of them recalling Carriers oh, really? in, in the week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some Liverpool fans were like, no, no, and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's really strange. I don't know if it's when they joined the club, they were made to watch videos of Bruce Grobbler. they like, just be like that, the fans will love you. Because like, I say, I, I'm still not totally convinced by Alisson. Uh, don't get me wrong, he's, 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 he's not a terrible goalkeeper. He's probably better than a lot of goalkeepers in the league. But I don't think he's this you know, manual Neuer replacement. Uh, that everyone makes him out as the world's best goalkeeper. And so, and Adrian, as you say, yeah, definite like a mid-table seven out of ten goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, to, to 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 do what he did, like literally, he literally just—I don't even know what he was trying to do. No, I mean, it's not—it's <laughs> not like he's kicked it, like tried to clear it, and it's hit off him and gone in. Yeah. Like he's literally passed it onto Danny Ings' <laughs> yeah, foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he had another defender to his right. No, just, no he, was... he just didn't feel he could shift his position. I suppose it, it, it's the sort of pass you see, like a, a tired midfielder make in it the is. last minute, but not not a goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I, I was I was really looking forward to seeing Andy Longan play here, so it's a shame. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I'd say, and I think Jurgen Klopp, no matter what he says, will not be wanting to throw Andy Longan into a into a Premier League game. Um, but so yeah, there's there's no there's no midweek games for any Premiership times this week. Uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping Liverpool go all out on training all week and and look this tired next weekend. But then they'll probably <laughs> still smash us. Probably yeah. All <laughs> oh, right, I'm talking of smashing, Dave. I'm really sorry. After mm. uh, Carrow Road, then when Norwich began their Premier League season at home uh, against Newcastle, and Timo Pucky continued his amazing goal scoring run I suppose uh, he has the most goals in 2019 across all four English divisions the Matt, impressive he, uh, yeah he, he won the golden boot in the championship last season he was the player of the year in the championship this season this, last year I believe uh, he now has as many Premier League hat-tricks as Cristiano Ronaldo and Dennis Burkamp apparently fair yeah, yeah where, as, as Norwich came away 3-1 winners uh, against Newcastle United thoughts um, it's it's been every bit as bad as everyone said it was going to be. Like going from Benitez to Bruce, I kind of hope that the players would have a little bit of the Benitez still instilled in them, so it wasn't like as bad as it has been. But it turns out that a couple of weeks with Brucey is enough to make you into a championship player overnight. So the the team he's setting up with is it's, he's still persistent with three five two. No one seems to really know what they're doing. Um, you've got. Joe Linton, who cost us forty million, who he's new at the league, and I don't want to chew him out already because he he missed a decent chance, but he also went off injured and looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks at least. Um, so that's forty million gone. And uh, Almiron isn't a forward, but he's been played as a forward, and it's not his position. Um, he's not. We're not seeing the best of him at all. So 
that's no good. He's midf- the midfield. He, he dropped Sean Longstaff after a whole summer of saying he was the future of the club. Dropped him for key. Um, it was a stat going on the key. Didn't make a single tackle in the game. Wow. Yeah. So all in all, like everything the players said about having more freedom, this kind of thing. There's a reason why Rafa had them on a leash, sticking to a rigid plan and doing what they were told. Because uh, they're just not good enough to play Cavalier. Uh, certainly not under this manager. Um, I've got a horrible feeling like Bruce's ideal scenario here is, is like an Andy Carroll, Dwight Gale front two. Now, neither of them are fit at the minute, but I can see that's where it's heading because he, he'll just keep ostracising the likes of Almiron and that kind of thing. He'll, he'll just drop anyone who's got a bit of flair about them. And he'll say, we're going back to basics and, you know, it'll be before long, it'll be two banks of four and all this kind of nonsense, which died many years ago. Um, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon, I wouldn't have thought. It's... It, it, it must be difficult. Like, we'll, we'll come on to Norwich in, in a bit. But um, so Steve Bruce, never the popular choice, and what have you. Um, but do you think it's all on him? Well, it's, it's never all on the manager because the players have got a certain amount of responsibility to take as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of be a coincidence that you've gone from having a fairly sound team. All right, we didn't win every week, but we very rarely were three 0 down away to a newly promoted club mm-hmm. um, to go from that to this in a matter of a couple of months it's uh, it's not looking good for old Brucey like but um, like I said the players have got to take their share of responsibility but they're being set up in a system that doesn't suit them um, Isaac Hayden's the only one who can really make a tackle on that midfield and Bruce has got him playing as like a box to box midfielder so um, alright great it shows off how athletic he is and he hasn't done badly there but there's no one picking up the work he would normally do mm-hmm. Um, he seems to have built the team around John Joe Shelby which Shelby's a very good footballer as as we all know we can see him play and pass the ball around and this kind of stuff but he's not exactly the type you want in the trenches with you is he and for the state we're in at the minute um, he's a bit of a luxury do you but uh, so but do you I think think we've had this conversation before with Steve Bruce coming in, obviously the situation with Rafa and, and everything like that, and the potential takeover and stuff like, I think Bruce is one of the very few options that were available. And stuff. I know you were in a similar situation last time, and Rafa came in out of nowhere and stuff. But I don't think that's something that happens again. You know, it, it, there's a few people that have come out in the last uh, last few weeks and said they were offered the Newcastle United job and turned it down. So do you think Bruce was all that they could get at the time? And it's yeah. kind of this is this is what we've got to go with and without being funny I'm, I'm guessing Bruce isn't the one signing the, these players because obviously Joe Linton was agreed before he came in yeah, and stuff like that so he, he's there He, I think for Bruce he, he's in a no-win situation because the fans don't want him he's playing with he's playing with players that he hasn't brought to the club and stuff as well yeah, well, I think, uh, on your first point there, I think a lot of people now are very wary of how Mike Ashley runs a football club. Um, and I think now people have seen that Benitez hasn't been able to win a round and convince uh, Ashley of what's right and how to run a club. Mm-hmm. They're probably thinking, well, if he can't do it, what chance have I got? Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's pretty clear for everyone to see that it's not a normal football club and how it's run. Um, you mentioned there about the recruitment. I think we obviously have a... A team of recruitment uh, scouts, I guess you'd call them, who, who pick out these players and 
didn't really sit right with me like the Joe Linton thing it's, it's been rumoured since January and apparently Benitez didn't want them um, and yet he's, he still ended up coming under a, under a different manager as if uh, at the time I said if he was any good why would he be waiting around for a club with no manager and this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. it just makes you wonder like what's, what's going on like is it done on agents is it this kind of thing or is it does he really want to play for Newcastle and hasn't had any better offers? Well, it is weird. Um, I say it is weird for like a, a player to go for forty million pounds, um, where one manager doesn't, and then one manager doesn't want him, and then the other manager's just stuck with him. And you, the thing is with Bruce, like if if if, if you're the chairman and you spent forty million pounds on a player, you want him in that side. Well, exactly. Um, now we've got Spurs away at the weekend, which is another loss. As he's pretty much looking at three straight losses to start with. Um, I mean, I'm in two minds at the minute because we're not going anywhere anytime soon um, with Ashley at the helm. We're never going to be good as a football club. It's never going to be that enjoyable. So on the one hand, if we keep losing, it might be quite funny to see what happens because I'm kind of I'm kind of over it now. Like until Ashley leaves, we're not going to go anywhere. So, mm-hmm. and I'll never want us to lose. That's that's silly. But um, if we are losing, uh, it's causing Ashley more and more of a problem because if Bruce walks out, which I wouldn't rule out because he looks more and more like he's bitten off more than he can chew by the day. Mm-hmm. Um, if he walks out, it'll be very interesting to see what happens next. And I kind of hope he just realises that he's, he's got nowhere else to go and he needs, he needs to sell it, but I don't know what it'll take for that to happen. Yeah, because I'm imagining that, obviously, it's obvious what's, what, what's happening at the club and whatever, and I imagine Bruce has just come in because this is his chance to manage Newcastle. He's a Newcastle mm-hmm. boy and stuff like that. And he, hasn't he, has, he's turned you down in the past, hasn't he, I think? Yeah, when he was Birmingham manager after Sir Bobby got sacked. Yeah, and I, I think he was just, uh, you know, he's, he's like, this is my last chance to have a crack at it. Maybe I can, you know, I've got, I'm a local lad. Maybe the fans will respond to that. And I think, no, I think in an ordinary situation they probably would, and stuff like that. But with everything that's going on at the club, I think, yeah, I could see, I, I could see him walking away as well. I know it's probably difficult to to do when with him being a Newcastle boy and whatever. But if things are as rotten as they are in the background I imagine at one point he's just going to be because you know, he's walked away from clubs before in, in good positions yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can imagine yeah. him just turning around and saying do you know what no one can do this well, well, that's what I found odd is that before he took the Chef Wed job he, he was talking about oh, maybe this is it for me in football um, he wasn't that far away from just calling it a day he, as you say he's managed everybody like mm-hmm. he, you know he, and he's, he's had some success at getting teams out of the championship but really he's been a very very average Premier League manager at best um, and I just wonder if he has a couple more months of this and if the fans at home in particular start turning on him um, the atmosphere gets a bit toxic mm-hmm. he might just say you know what this isn't this isn't for me yeah. <laughs> see you later but on the other hand we've gone to a lot of expense to get him and his cronies from Chef Wed um, I don't know I mean that would be I don't know what would happen I don't think Chef Wed have even appointed a manager yet themselves to replace him so mm-hmm. uh, that's another thing to consider but uh Hopefully, we're not going to go anywhere with him in charge. So it's, the sooner he leaves, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But um, you don't know who's next. That's I mean, the thing. Do you, is it just another stopgap manager that comes in in the meantime? You know, do you end up with someone, you know, like Gary Rowett or you know, someone from the Championship, you know, who's who's cheap? It'll be a, it'll be a Pulis or something. In uh, oh, fucking hell, mate! No, You'll you no, be begging for fucking Steve Bruce. I know, I know. But the thing is, you probably, probably wouldn't get relegated under Tony Pulis. It would be dreadful, dreadful to watch. Don't get us wrong, but uh, you'd have him organised. 
Which is something Bruce hasn't really managed to do yet. Oh, I can't wait to see Joe Linton just lumping onto uh, long balls. Um, one thing that was picked up on Match of the Day, and it, to be fair, it's something that that I've seen when watching Newcastle on Match of the Day, so I don't watch them anywhere near as much as you do. Uh, so Almiron was was basically singled out on Match of the Day, and I think the question that was being asked is, what what does he do? What type of player is he? Mm-hmm. Now you spent what twenty odd million on him last season. Yep. He came in. He, he seemed to galvanise you a little bit, but yep. it's still not clear what he actually does. Yeah, he's a very good link player. So when you had Rondon holding it up, and you had him and Perez either side to get onto Rondon's layoffs or whatever you want to call them, um, it was stretching teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for starters, his pace meant teams were back twenty yards in the first place. So Rondon was able to pick the ball up twenty yards closer to goal. Yeah. Um, but he likes to go wide. Um, at the minute, the position he's playing in, which is more or less a, 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 a support striker, if you like. Um, I don't think he really knows what he's meant to be doing. Um, yeah. He's never really been that kind of player. He's He needs... I think he needs to... We, we need width in general, because uh, when you've got a, a big striker, you, you want obviously to get the, the pitch as wide as possible, but he's just he's just lost. Um and it's the same with with San Maximin when he when he will get, he was injured this week but when he gets back in the team, if he's going to just do a straight swap for them too, there's no point because it, it's not what you're not going to get the most out of quick wide players by playing them off a striker. Mm-hmm. I hope he finds a, a way to play them both uh, off Joel Linton or whoever the, the forward is if he's injured, uh, and the same way Rafa did. But I say there's been no signs of it so far. Yeah, because on much of the day there he just literally seemed to be on the halfway line most of the time. Yeah. And I remember, like, last week he was he was more, f- like, forward and stuff like that. And I was just wondering, like, so, you know, what sort of player is he? But I suppose in the in the, in the in the system, it's strange. Because I say, if he's that quick, him and Joe Linton up front with Shelby pulling the strings in midfield, sounds like it could be, you know, quite an interesting situation, but... Well, that's been one of the problems so far is that the, the gaps between defence, the midfield, and the attack are just huge. There's, there's no structure in there whatsoever. Um, and it's, as you saw on, on Saturday, teams are finding it very easy to play against us. I mean, for all of you, only beat us 1 0. You were never really under any pressure. There's hardly a tackle in the game. It's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's the bare minimum you want, really. Yeah, uh, on to Delia's boys then. Um... I remember sitting here last week asking how long they'd continue to play their attacking football for. They're going to keep doing it if it keeps working like this. They they look quite pretty impressive, to be fair. And, OK, we've established that Newcastle didn't give them much of a, of a fight and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, Timo Pucky, who... Is he, does he seem to have been around for a very long time? Yeah, well, I was thinking about when he was at Celtic and he was terrible. Um <laughs> And that must have been a couple of years ago now, but he, he does seem to be on the scene for a while. And I certainly didn't, didn't expect him to be this good when he came up, but uh, he's, just, he's just a very good finisher, isn't he? he yeah, uh, yeah, all of his goals were, were, were good. Um, he's the first Norwich player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League since Efan Okoko. Although, oh. that, that's it's like 26 years, I think, the BBC were making a big deal yes. out of. Uh. Although Norwich haven't been in the Premier League for the majority of those, so that's <laughs> a, pretty much a useless, useless stat. Yeah. Um, I mean, Norwich were great, don't get us wrong. Um, they played kind of similar to the way, they did, the way they did against Liverpool, where I think we said last week if they play like that against us, we'll have trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, they did. And if they continue to do it, they'll beat other teams like us. Because um, you've got to be able to deal with that kind of uh, 
don't know what you'd call it, passing and moving, but yeah. it, 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 it's very effective, whatever way you look at it. Yeah, their second striker, I think he was, is it Stipeman or something like that? Oh, yes, yeah. He he looked pretty useful. Yeah, they've got a guy called Leitner, who apparently played very well. Um, Cantwell, the young lad, who I think is from their academy, was, was brilliant. Um, they've got quite a likeable team, to be honest. It's mm. just a shame they've battered us, but... Uh, <laughs> I say we, we we might not be the only ones if they if they play like that. I say they're they're having they're having the best you know they're playing the be- the best football from what I've seen you know we'll, we'll come on to Villa in a bit but like I thought Villa were were impressive last week but then obviously lost uh, mm. obviously they've lost again this weekend but you say Norwich have, have come away with points against yourself so it will be interesting to see so I suppose if they get a bit of momentum behind them do that you know maybe they don't change their system which is. You know, will prove me wrong because I expect them to come into the Premier League and change their system straight away. <laughs> uh, on to Birmingham then. They had their first uh, game at Villa Park and they were making such a big deal about this in Birmingham this week. Uh, Premier League football coming back to, to Birmingham for a season. Uh, they played against Eddie Howe's Bournemouth and literally got off to the worst possible start, giving away a penalty after 45 seconds. <laughs> um, I'm not even quite sure what Tom Heaton was doing here. No, I'm not. There was there was just no need to do it, was there? <laughs> yeah, it just literally comes out and, and, and clatters, clatters. Was it King he took down? Uh, no, he took down Wilson. Oh, King, yeah, King, yeah. King scored the pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, uh, Josh King scoring a penalty after a minute. Uh, Harry Wilson then marking his debut for Bournemouth, being on loan from Liverpool, uh, continuing to do what he did for Derby in the Championship last season, which is just bang goals in from distance. Uh, for fun, and then not to be outdone, Douglas Louise, who Villa have signed for Man City this season, uh, thought he'd get in on on the act. Um, I thought Villa were going to snatch a draw here, though. I was a big fan of that Douglas Louise's dummy for Wilson's goal, where he just let it run for no <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, he's not the sort of player who's going to put a foot in for a tackle, is he? No. Um, Villa were obviously slow out the blocks, give away a two goal head start, which you're not going to get away with at Premier League level. Um, I think it's kind of a a byproduct of buying pretty much an entire team mm-hmm. in the summer. Um, they've obviously got Ginn and Grealish, who I like a lot. Um, they're both pretty pretty useful. They certainly look ready for the Premier League. Um, I'm not sure where their goals are going to come from. Wesley looks lively, but we haven't seen him <coughs> finish yet. Apparently in pre-season he was all right, but they, you know, Villa were playing like the likes of Warsaw and, and, and stuff in pre-season. <laughs> yeah, so. true. Well... If he hits the ground run, they'll be they'll be fine. But uh, they, he didn't get that much of a sniff on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've bought they've bought a lot of players. Um, some will be better than others. Um, yeah, but yeah. There's, there's only really him as a striker, though, as far as I can see. I think they've got Khadija still, but uh, he's not going to play. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Bournemouth probably should have had another penalty. Uh, yeah. I have no idea why that wasn't given. Yeah, there was a few of those <laughs> this weekend, though, wasn't there? Uh, and one thing I did notice is that so Billing, the giant who they signed from uh, oh, yes. from Huddersfield, he didn't last the whole game because he would have probably been sent off if he'd have played it a couple of minutes longer. Um, I'd probably argue he probably should have been sent off in the like forty-five minutes or whatever he played in the game. He was just so clumsy. Just, I think it's Jefferson Lerma, is that? I get him, it's, yeah, Lerma's Bournemouth, isn't it? And Lamina is Southampton. I get those two mixed up. But he literally just took his role of just bulldozing through midfield, not looking where he was going. Ah, oh, true. Uh, he's also never played a game where he hasn't shot from 30 yards and, and caused the, t- the keeper to like, 
casually tip it over. Really? Wow, that's a, that's a stat. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a, it's a bona fide stat, 100% accurate. Wow, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a few Bournemouth fans on, on, on Twitter raving, uh, raging about him like and stuff like that, and then I saw some of the extended highlights on Sky on, on, on the evening. And yeah, he was literally just barreling into people left, right, and centre. <laughs> and it just like, no wonder Villa couldn't get a foothold in the game. Like the fucking giant just hold. No, I, I mean having him and Lerma in midfield is going to be yellow card central. But yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, Bournemouth, you know, continuing that that good start to the season. Um, and I say I thought Villa were going to get back into this, which again was very similar to last week's game when I thought they were going to get back into the game against Spurs. And then Harry Kane woke up for the last ten minutes of the game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not making my prediction of Norwich going down and Villa staying up looking so good. But we're only two games in. Uh, rest of Saturday's games then. So Everton faced Watford in the uh, Marco Silva derby at Goodison Park. Uh, for all their shithouse in that Watford do over Everton, I didn't realise they'd never, they haven't actually beat them at home in like thirty odd years. And really? this is like their FA Cup final by the fucking looks of it. I remember, <laughs> I remember the big deal they made about uh, when they played at Vicarage Road. Um, yeah, did not much seem to happen this game. Uh, no, Bernard, this, Bernard this scored. Was, this was dull. Yeah. Uh, Delefeu got done for diving. Uh, and I thought Yuri Mina was going to kill him. Did you see this? <laughs> I did, yeah. He was livid, wasn't yeah, he? he, and he's, he, a, he <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a big lad to upset as well. So. Yeah, uh, Jordan Pickford took one in the face, which is always nice to see. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise that Calvert-Lewin started this game. I didn't see him once in the highlights. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I only noticed because uh, they, they were showing a replay or something. And I thought, oh, who's who's Everton's number nine? And I had to Google it. Oh, he's got number nine now as well. Yeah, he's he? wearing number nine because I think he was 20-something last he, season. 29, he? yeah. Yeah, so I thought, oh, who's Everton's number nine? Have they, they, they signed another striker that I don't know about. Um and yeah, it was Calvert Lewin apparently. So yeah, he was just literally taking someone's spot up in the team, uh, which I find really. I know it's. I know we're only watching the highlights on match of the day and stuff like that. We're not at the game, but it's unusual to see it when you because these weren't the last. This wasn't the last game on match of the day. You got a, you got a good five minutes of highlights. I'd say um, <laughs> it's unusual to not at least see a striker involved in the game somehow, or, or you know, or mentioned. Uh, you know, Keown came off the bench and got a couple of mentions, and Calvert Lewin. I literally just saw him in the background. Uh, yeah, so Kian nearly scored, didn't he, when he yeah, went through yeah. towards the end. But he, he looked lively, but he obviously not not with pace just yet. But uh, I imagine over time he'll start yeah, start most games. I say Everton do look to have had a change in in shape slightly this season. So last season, I think we spoke about it multiple times. The issue was so Bernard started brightly last season as well, didn't they? But yeah. they hit him and Richarlison were swapping out. Oh, yes. Because Richardson likes to play on the left and whatever. It seems like Richardson is playing more on the right this season because obviously Phil Walcott has been found out for the fraud that he is. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Phil. I do love you, really. Um, <laughs> allowing Bernard to stay on the left and then obviously Calvert Lewin to have a cameo in the, up up front until Ken gets up to up to full fitness. Um, and it seems to work for him. Richardson, wherever he plays, he, he gets the ball and makes things happen. Um, but yeah, but Bernard cutting in and scoring uh, from the left was, was, was pretty impressive. Uh, I think Everton, you know, could could be onto a good season. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to say about that? Because uh, not much happened. No, I mean Everton look fairly solid. Haven't conceded a goal yet. I like Luca Dean a lot. Him and, mm-hmm. and Bernard seem to have a good a good thing going on the left hand side. Yeah, the ball he um, played down to him was fantastic. I just think Richarlison's wasted as a right winger. I think they have to play him as a forward. 
or on the left, as you say, but you wouldn't drop Bernard on current form. Yeah, but they, that's the thing they did last season. But uh, but then they also played Richardson through the middle, and, and playing through the middle is all right if you've got someone to play off him. Yeah. And so if he's not an out-and-out striker, which is what Everton were missing last season, I'm ho- I reckon if Kian can fit that that mould, I don't I don't know that much about him. Apparently he's a striker, but is he an out-and-out striker or is he like the Italian Calvert Lewin? <laughs> he's not going to be that bad, is he? No. He still goes for Juventus, for God's sake. He can't be that bad. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, last Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff was Brighton against West Ham. Uh, this is the game that made me ri- almost rip up my notes. Um, this, this for me, this game summed up what I hate about VAR. So, uh, Fernals started for West Ham, who is the Spanish under-21 player who had a, a great under-21 Euros, I think it was. Uh, and West Ham fans were very excited when he joined them in the summer. So he came on, didn't didn't seem to do that much, though, in the game. Uh, Hernandez started and scored for West Ham. West Ham obviously made multiple changes after being battered by West Ham, uh, Man City last week. Uh, and this game finished 1-1. Uh, the reason it made me rip up my notes is because Trossard scored celebrated, everything. So I wrote down on my notes, oh, Trossard scores on his debut. Then the, then it was cancelled out through VAR, which I fucking... I hate the, the, the game. They're going to... They do all the celebrations <laughs> and everything, and then there's a five-minute wait while, oh, no, the goal hasn't been given. Uh, and then I remember saying to the wife at the time, oh, I've just had to scribble that out that he scored on his debut. Uh, I bet he scores again. <laughs> and he did. And this one was allowed. Um, so, yeah, he scored on his debut. Uh, Brighton looked much more attacking. Much more attack. I know yeah. we said this last week after they won won last week as well, but yeah, yeah, they've got a good a good set of players there now. Especially we didn't really know much about Trossard, um, but he took two goals very well. Only one counted, but he looks uh, like a good option for them. And then obviously Glenn Murray still knocking around. Um, I don't know how he still gets in that team. I know with Mopey knocking around now for twenty yeah. mil, and well, uh, I know they're playing multiple strikers at the moment. I know it's okay. it's unheard of, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> one of them is Christian Gross, though. To be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm amazed that that, that Glenn Murray still starts. I'm sure he won't over time. I'm sure, yeah. Andone or Mopé will come in. Even mm-hmm. Lacardia played last week, I think. Yeah. Did he, did he play this week? I don't think he did. Uh, no, I think I, I say Mopé and Andone came off the bench again. And that's the thing; they're bringing strikers on as well. I know they're like is, a whole new club. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but yeah, say so a one one all draw. I think West Ham, West Ham. You would have expected West Ham to probably win this, especially like last season and stuff. But yeah, to see Brighton actually play some football. Yeah, it, I think um, Haller and Anderson were out for West Ham, which mm-hmm. probably did them no favours. I think they were both injured, but they did well in many respects to get a point, missing probably the two best players. Yeah, so Trossard looked looked fairly lively. I think I think they is he the player they spent twenty million pound on. Uh, uh, no. Um, I know they spent a lot on Mope because they broke M- their transfer M- record three times, didn't they? Yeah, Mope was twenty. I don't think Trussard was quite as much as that, but mm. he um, he apparently captained. Is it Genk or Ghent to the Belgian league title? Yeah, so he's hot. I remember when he when he was signed on on Sky, they were talking about him being quite highly rated. He was surprised to see him go to Brighton and stuff like that. So, but yeah, he looked he looked all right. Um, yeah, I think. But both of these teams will probably be fighting it out in, in mid-table. I'd, you, you'd expect West Ham to kick on and, and, and go higher up the league, but maybe Brighton won't be involved in the relegation battle this season, perhaps? No, I mean, on this form, you, wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't think so. Um, there's another team who are quite close to uh, to Brighton who will come on to, who I think will be in a bit of bother. But uh, no, I think Brighton will be certainly looking up the table. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, on to do, 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 the Saturday's final game then was the 5.30 kickoff. Uh, Manchester City against uh, Champions League runners-up Tottenham. As <laughs> they seem to be known, known very similar to Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Um, I can't believe that the Champions League runners-up, as everyone likes to call them now, were dominated so much in a game of football and came away with a point. Oh, that was- they were so lucky to come away with a point um, not just in terms of the fact that Man City had some like 30 attempts to 3 but how on earth they came out with a point here I'll never know like they got absolutely battered yeah. they scored one goal where Edison forgot where he was mm-hmm. scored ahead of him a corner from a fairly small man uh, and then obviously the disallowed goal which I'm sure will come on to um, really summed it up didn't it <laughs> Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. This is the first time... So, Manchester City drew two all with Spurs, for anyone who didn't watch this. Uh, it's the first time uh, City have dropped points since January. Do you remember who the last team to take points off Man City were? It was us, uh... Yeah, Newcastle when they beat them uh, at the end of January. Um, so, but yeah, Raheem Sterling continued his amazing form, basically, uh, to score the opener. Uh, Eric Lamella scored out of fucking nowhere. Basically. That, game, that goal came out of nowhere. It did. Oh, it, 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 absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Aguero then put City back um, in the lead, and then Lucas Moura came off the bench. And now, somehow, I don't know how this has happened, I seem to follow a lot of Spurs fans on, on Twitter. <laughs> and literally, all they were tweeting was, God, we are shit. Get Lucas Moura on. Which is <laughs> something a season ago you probably wouldn't have ever seen. Uh, but yeah, first touch, he, he, he equalised from a header. Um, but yeah, like. Fucking for all I've heard all week about Champions League runners up, fucking Tottenham, they played like a team at the bottom of the league. They did. They they were all over the place, and it it they're not a bad side as much as it hurts me inside to say it. But they've got a great eleven at least, mm. and they 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 couldn't cope, and. The VAR decision, well, it wasn't even a VAR decision, really. Well, at the end, we'll come on to. But Man City should have smashed, smashed them. Like, could have been double figures. It's like they had thirty attempts on target. Spurs had two shots on target, three attempts overall. That's, you know, Burnley had more chances than that against us. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like Tottenham, it wouldn't be so bad if they'd, you know, if they'd lost two one and played quite well. It probably would have been. You know, you could take that, but they were they were second best everywhere. There was no point where you thought, ah, oh, you know, Tottenham are doing well here. Like they were literally dominated from the first whistle, um, but score with every attack they had. So, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And the thing is, VAR is going to get all the all the all the, the that's what we're all going to talk about in a minute. And it's going to get all the all the the talking points from the weekend are going to be about VAR. And it will kind of gloss over the fact that Spurs were so poor, and the mm. fact that they got a point will gloss over it as well. But if I, was a, if I was a Spurs fan, I would not be happy with that. Not, I would not be happy with that performance. And to say, oh, we've got a draw uh, against against the champions and the best team in the country and whatever, you know, that's that's what you say if you if you you, you know your Brightons, your Villas, your Sheffield Uniteds and stuff like that. If you're going to parade yourselves around as Champions League finalists and title contenders, Man City aren't a free hit to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you, you mean. Know, sec- second game of the season, you know. Both teams finding their feet and whatever. They've actually invested a lot of money this season, and and yeah, they 
they didn't look like they were going there to compete. Yes, they've got a draw, but I don't think it was even a battling draw. Uh, well, no, it's just like they, they were just battered, weren't they? Um, I'm sure they'll be happy with a point because it's a point at the end of the day, which we probably didn't expect to get, but uh, you wouldn't say they've closed the gap on the Champions, would you? I mean, they've probably given a better game last season. Yeah, um, last season, when they played him in the Champions League, they were brilliant against them. Yeah. They seem to have found a way to play against Man City uh, and whatever. Obviously, they you know they were deep into their season, and so Man City, you know, with their rotation and stuff, managed to you know get that extra bit of fitness and, and stuff. But they knocked them out of the Champions League in the end. Um, but yeah, they they didn't look like the same team at all. I mean, obviously, Son played in those games last season and caused a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, if he'd played, think it would have been any different. I'm I'm not really sure it would have been, to be honest. No, not really, because. Yeah, they, they they had absolutely nothing. You know, they they played like Lamella, who who who's much improved. He's had a good preseason. Sissoko was like their player of the season last year. Harry Kane has done nothing for 180 minutes apart from score two goals last <laughs> weekend. I he, thought he was he was so, so isolated here. Yeah. Like it's not his sort of game at all, was it? Even yeah. when he had even when he got the ball, was no one within 30 yards of him. It yeah. was. Uh... Ericsson doesn't look interested. I would not be surprised if he leaves. Um, that in in Dombele, you know, didn't have, didn't have a good start to the game, so there was no, t- you know, flicks and tricks from him. Um, you know, and yeah, Moira, who's who's a player who seems to be able to make things happen for them, starts on the bench as always because obviously they've got to have that rotation. Uh, Walker Peters, oh, fucking terrible. Now two oh. seasons ago, he he was playing in the Premier League every now and again when it was his turn in the uh, Pochettino right-back merry-go-round. He had some good games, but he looked completely out of his depth. Well, he was up against probably the best player in the country at the minute, so we'll, we'll cut him some slack, but I agree, he looked so far off it that uh, he was lucky he didn't get uh, pulled apart even further. Yeah, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, though, for, for Man City, had an absolutely best game I've seen him play in a while. And I think the thing is with Man City, it's easy for their players to sometimes look a bit ordinary because they all play so well. Obviously, Sterling is the standout player at the moment because he, he's, he's on fire. Like The header he scored this week, he wouldn't have scored two years ago. He probably no, wouldn't have scored last season. Definitely you know, not. And, stuff. and he definitely would not have scored it in a Liverpool shirt. He wouldn't, he'd wouldn't. he have been <laughs> there and he'd have gone out for a throw-in or something if he was wearing a Liverpool <laughs> shirt. Um, but yeah, De, De Bruyne was absolutely amazing, but he was given literally the freedom of for the Etihad in midfield. Like, Fucking! What does Harry Winks do? No, he was he was very poor, wasn't he? Yeah. No, I, I can't answer that on on, on this <laughs> yeah, performance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is really strange, and it's great for me as an Arsenal fan, and it's great for a, a fan of a club challenging to be, you know, in the top four and stuff like that to to see that you know Tottenham and we'll come on to Chelsea in a bit, just literally not firing at all. And I think after, you know, we saw last season how important it is to get a good start when the likes of City and, and Liverpool last season literally shot off at the start of the season going like 13, 14 games unbeaten and stuff like that. But yeah, I suppose, yeah, all we're, all we're going to see here is that, you know, Spurs got a point. Uh, might as well come on to it then, the VAR debates. So how City didn't get a penalty for the foul on Rodri, I do not know. No, that's probably fair. Yeah, it was reviewed as well, which which is ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, I guess the problem with those, these ones from corners is that if you if you probably look at it close enough, if uh, the attacker's got even like a handful of the Spurs player's shirt, mm-hmm. and then the Spurs player rambles into the back of him like he did, you kind of give it because you'd have to say, well, there was a foul in the first place. Now, mm. I, I didn't look closely enough to see if that was the case here, but um, 
that's, that's going to be the problem with those sorts of decisions is that if there's even the slightest hint that the, that the, the attacker's got hold of the defender as well, then they won't give it. But mm. it's, it's that one looked blatant, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Rodri was involved as the as the the the, the, the foulie this time. I suppose <laughs> um, he he had a very similar one last week against West Ham though. Where he could have given away a penalty quite early on because he was uh, yes. all over one of the West Ham players. So yeah. I suppose it balances itself out over the season, as they say. I think but, that the, the, the probably looking at the everyone uses the World Cup as as the kind of barometer of what VAR is going to be like. And there was loads of penalties given from corners and people holding mm-hmm. corners. And I think the FA have made this big deal about where we're not going to be like that, which is all well and good. But uh, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Like it, it, it shouldn't really yeah. matter. What's gone before? And that's the thing. Fans have been screaming out for ages, and clubs have been screaming out that these these are the sort of fouls that they ex- they're expecting VAR to come in and 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 you know and 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 stamp out. You know, we we said in in the previews we expected Zaha to be winning penalties left, right, and centre yeah. um, all season because of VAR coming in and stuff like that. And it, it hasn't happened, um, but it doesn't make VAR look good because we're all expecting it to happen. And like I think the um, the rule makers of the game have come out today and said that they reckon it'll be ten years before VAR is actually used to its potential and used correctly. <laughs> it's like, well, why are we even fucking bothering? <laughs> I don't think it's been that bad, to be honest. I know people will, well, I see you can point the penalties that weren't given there, but mm-hmm. would we be any happier if you were getting three penalties each a match? Yeah, for... no, I, I, I agree. I don't think it's been as bad as I was expecting it to be. It's just that the thing I don't like is the whole let's go and celebrate a goal and yeah. it doesn't get given. Like, obviously... That's the other talking point from this game. So Gabriel Jesus scores a perfectly good goal in the last minute of football, uh, very similar to what happened in the Champions League semi-final last season, <laughs> and it's given as a no goal for a accidental handball, which anyone who's ever read the rules of football will know there is no, there nothing until this year there was nothing in the rule book regarding accidental handballs and stuff but the new rule that's been introduced is that if a ball touches a player's hand in the build up to a goal in any way accidental or on purpose the goal will not be given it's a bullshit rule it is um unfortunately VAR is getting the blame for this but yeah it, it is it is but, yeah, VAR has been shit on everywhere uh, it wasn't but, a VAR decision no and this is the I can see why they've done it because the whole thing with VAR is that they say right it's a clear and obvious mistake or it's you know or it's not um, and with handball, it's never been clear and obvious about anything. Like no one really knows. There's always going to be debate about handball, whether it is, whether it isn't, whether it was intentional, whether you could get it out the way, etc., etc. So what they've done is they said, right, if it hits hits your hand and it's leading to a goal, it's handball. So now that's happened. They've reviewed. Oh, it's hit his hand. It's clear and obvious. You've missed the handball. That's the end of that. So they've done it on that premise in my opinion anyway that's why they've done it so mm-hmm. it, now when they review these things it's not down to whoever sat in Stockley Park looking at the screen saying oh is that handball could he could he have got his hand out the way they've just said right black and white it's hit his hand clear and obvious mistake disallow the goal yeah. it hit both players hands as well well I've, I've seen this back a few times I'm not 100% sure it did but again this is where the rule falls down is mm-hmm. that if it hits it was it Skip I think it was he went up with him if it hits his hand it's not a penalty because he, he's not, it's not, it's not intentional. Therefore, it's yeah. not a penalty. But it, because it hit the attacker's hand, that's penalised. Yeah. Now that that seems insane to me. Yeah. Even the... even Larice looked fucking well ridiculous. Absolutely. Even he didn't really agree with it, and he's got an advantage from it. Absolutely nobody appealed it, did they? Like yeah. no one. I'd certainly didn't expect the no. goal to be slowed. and it didn't cross my mind it would be even reviewed. But yeah, I think I even Michael Oliver looked a bit bemused. 
Well, when, that's when, it, I mean... when when he obviously got word in his ear that we're reviewing this and stuff, you could see mm-hmm. he was a bit like what? Yeah, well, I saw people blame Michael Oliver as well. I was like, well, it's certainly on his fault. He didn't. You know, the, the goals get reviewed regardless. It's mm-hmm. not Michael Oliver saying, well, let's have a look at that one. Like, it's going to be reviewed. So, um, the handball rule is ridiculous. Um, it's not VAR's fault, but I suppose the one thing you would say about whoever made the law is they could never have predicted two goals in two weeks yeah. like that because you could probably watch ten weeks of Premier League football and we'll not get another one like that. Mm-hmm. It's, you, pretty, it's pretty unfortunate. But so, uh, so occasionally these new rules come in because I think we get new rules every season and obviously mm-hmm. some are more high profile than others. Do you imagine that this one will get um, updated in any way? We've seen it before. I think when the offside rule was first yeah. altered slightly, they made an amendment uh, after a few weeks of controversy. Um, I don't think it'll happen this season. Um, but like I say, we've only had... We've, it's, it's unfortunate because we've had two weeks where it, it, there's been mm-hmm. two fairly big decisions about it. Because this we is make... an FA rule, isn't it? Yeah. This isn't like a FIFA or UEFA rule. Well, FIFA had their own nonsense for this, didn't they? Because uh, I don't know if you watched any of the Women's World Cup, but I think it was the th- third, fourth game where... Ellen White took it down and it, it barely brushed a hand, yeah, 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 yeah. but but that was the rule. It was any sort of handball goes as allowed. So I don't know if it's applied globally or whatever, but it's certainly the rule we're using in the Premier League. Um, we might go another thirty weeks without another one. Mm. Like it, 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 uh, looking back, I don't ever remember this kind of thing happening that often. Yeah. Um, maybe we're just not looking for them, but um, uh, it, it's not inf- unfeasible that we might go several months without seeing another one like this. I hope um, so, because I can't take this every weekend. Well, no, that's the thing. It's a bit, it's a bit shit, yeah. isn't it, where we, we spend all this time talking about an accidental handball costing yeah. the team. The thing is, it's, it's obvious that the intention is there for this to stop teams gaining an advantage from a handball. Mm. Why not make that the rule? <laughs> if you gain an advantage from a handball, then, then it's not going to be there. Because, as you say, if it deflects off a defender... The, no there's, there's, you don't get a penalty, so you're being denied a goal because a defender handled the ball. And so that's, ne- that's next level of VAR, that though, where the ball comes in the box and it looks like two players' arms have touched it, and they have to have like a, a close-up to see whose hand it is, and it's either a penalty or a goal. You know. But, <laughs> so, so what happens? What happens, for example, say it doesn't hit a Man City player's arm, and it does hit just Skip's arm accidentally on the way through, and then what happens then when that goal isn't given because of that? Well, exactly. That would have, if that had happened, let's say it had skipped arm and just gone out for a, for a throw in on the far side, no one would have well went to look at it. Well, and no, gone, but oh. would they have allowed the goal? So say it hits skips arm and Jesus mm-hmm. puts the ball in the back of the net still. Yeah. So I, I still think it hits hits the Spurs player on the arm as well. Right. right. And then Jesus puts the ball in. Do they then disallow the goal? Well, no, because the handball rule is if it's uh, an advantage okay, game. From uh, it. But there wasn't an advantage game from this one. Well, it was. It, it was the smallest. Like it was literally a brush, wasn't it? The ball didn't change direction. Or well, that's what I mean. That's what to me it doesn't seem like any advantage, any clear advantage was gained. The ball still travelled the same path it would have done had the players not really been there. Well, I think that's the problem, isn't it? There's no, there's no uh, ifs and buts. It's just if it hits a hand, that's it. Yeah. From a, and, and the attacking team end up scoring, which, as you say. I don't think the touch actually made that great of a difference of where where it ended up, but yeah, uh, no, not at all. And you you could tell straight away that none of the Spurs players thought there was a handball at all because they were devastated. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, they were lucky to be in the fucking game anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it, it does all come down to me the fact that yeah, Man City had their chances to put Spurs away and didn't. Um, but yeah, 
it, I, I'm hoping this doesn't happen again because I say but I thought the Wolves one last week was a little bit harsh. I thought this one was even harsher. To be fair, yes, I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I suppose it brings Man City back down to earth. Uh, on to Sunday's game, then nothing too exciting to talk about here. I'm sorry it's taken us so long to to uh, mention Sheffield United, seeing as they were dropped in every fucking two seconds last weekend. <laughs> um, I, I I haven't seen this game. I've seen the goal from Langstrom, Longstrom. Uh, Lundstrom, yeah, yeah. Uh, good uh, lad. All I've seen from the highlights on this one basically is that they scored, um, and then Crystal Palace had a shot from distance, uh, and and that was pretty practically all. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep this brief because I want to go. I want to go watch Monday Night Football, but uh, Crystal Palace seem to think Benteke is still the answer when it's been proven for several years now that it's not the answer. <laughs> so, so that's going well. If if Saha doesn't turn up like he hasn't shown up so far, then they'll be in a lot of trouble. I can see Hodgson getting the boot before long. Big, um, big well, he probably will be. I mean, they haven't given Hodgson any money for a while now, and it's kind of like a is this because he's leaving kind of thing like they don't seem that enamoured with him um, whereas Sheffield United have done what Hal said they would do which is they play this ridiculous system where the the, full, the centre-halves overlap mm-hmm. um, and the big Crystal Palace they were very poor I'd like to see them against a you know a better team in, in future weeks yeah. but I saw a lot of uh, a lot of praise for the uh, the way that the fullbacks for Crystal uh, for Sheffield United get forward mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. But I haven't seen enough of them to see that in in in, in motion. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's not just... like Norwich where you've got like you, you, you can blatantly see that the yeah. way of play is Max Aaron's is going to bomb past your your midfield and and put a ball in or play a ball to the edge of the area and stuff like that. I haven't seen enough of Sheffield United. No, me neither yet, but uh, so far I'm, I'm not obje- not adverse to watching them, which I think is pretty much my own team I don't like watching. Everyone else seems <laughs> quite, quite enjoyable. So. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, Palace not starting off great. Uh, Sheffield United obviously have four points in their first two games, so they'll be they'll they'll be delighted, I suppose. Um, oh yeah. Hopefully, it all comes to a crashing end soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On to the, the main game, then Chelsea versus Leicester. Uh, for, well, sorry, Frank Lampard, Chelsea versus Leicester. Uh, this was Frank's homecoming. Uh, I would be interested to know if the fan who held up the sign calling Frank Lampard a traitor a couple of seasons ago was at Stamford Bridge for this game. <laughs> um, few changes from Big Frank. Uh, Giroud came in for Tammy Abraham, uh, apparently mainly down to the abuse that Abraham has had in the week and stuff. Uh, apparently it was reported that he might not be in the best frame of mind to start the game. Oh, right. Which is weird. Um, it's not the sort of mental strength you expect to hear uh, about your striker. But there's probably more to it and stuff like that. I'm surprised Drew didn't start last week, uh, to be fair. Uh, Mason Mount scored his first Premier League goal for the club, capitalising on an Indeedy mistake. Uh, I think you put yes, Indeedy. On, on yeah, it sounds like it sounds like something I would do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what he was doing. I so said this is a, this is a player who is quite highly rated uh, in in world football. He's quite a young, up and coming and player. I think he's only like 22 now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, very highly rated midfielder, and he's just literally dossing around on the edge of his area. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the centre back partnership of Johnny Evans and the, the the young Turkish lad they've got there was quite interesting. They actually look quite good. Yeah, um, not bad at all. I can't pronounce the Turkish lad's name, but Arsenal were linked with signing him. I want to say Soyuncu, but yeah, I don't it's sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. But so he looks quite promising, and when um, when Maguire went, uh, Roger said he didn't need to buy another centre-back, which I was surprised about, considering Wes Morgan still plays for the club. No, um, I... 
but <laughs> um, but I, I expected him to get more chances, and but I didn't expect Johnny Evans to get one. Uh, to be fair, uh, but from everything I saw, I thought Leicester could have won this. Second half, there were, it was I wouldn't say one-way traffic, but it was uh, it was suicidal from Chelsea because they just kept throwing more and more men forwards in a game they weren't they didn't really have a foothold in, and Leicester would just turn over possession. And one, once the turnover possession, you had Vardy, Madison, Perez against two or three Chelsea defenders. Like yeah. it was that it was that bad. Um, I think if it had been Vardy from two seasons ago, this game would have been over. Yeah, Vardy kept mistiming his runs and just. If it had been maybe five games in the season, even would have been a bit sharper. But uh, Leicester look back at those two points dropped. To be honest, they, uh, they they could have won this. Chelsea were very good for 20 minutes and got themselves out and had nothing, nothing in the tank after that. It was uh, I'd be quite worried if I was a Chelsea fan. To be honest, they uh, they they're missing something. I don't know if it's bite in midfield or even like a natural leader. They don't seem to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the striking situation is not great. Don't remember Giroud being particularly useful uh, mm-hmm. Abraham's obviously very young yeah, Pe- I try I try can't get a kick well. Pedro is useless except for one game a season where he'll score a hat-trick against probably Norwich or something like that yeah. and everyone will go oh, apparently Pedro. Pedro created the most chances in the Premier League last week so last week opening weekend of the season he was the most creative player in the Premier League and then he was abysmal yesterday he was <laughs> and, and they lost 4-0 so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, people will go, oh, well done, Frank, for having a go and taking off Jorginho and putting on whoever it was coming off the top of my head. Maybe William. Um, uh-huh. But it just left them so exposed. Like, it was, uh, it didn't help. Like, none, none of the changes he made actively improved Chelsea's performance. Um, they, they looked very similar to how I saw Derby play at times last season. Yeah. It, it was the same sort of the whole team just moves forward. Uh, but obviously they don't have a Richard Keogh to... Uh, <laughs> to sort it to out. Sort it out. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, yeah not, not, I, say, I didn't see all of this game uh, and stuff like that, but from what I saw, I, I wasn't very impressed. I think Sky showed a stat at about 75 minutes that Chelsea at home had only had like three attempts on goal. Nah. Like Le- Leicester had, had like 10. Yeah, it it was uh, it was pretty pretty alarming really. I mean, Leicester were very good on the break. We know that anyway. Um, and I suppose on the flip side, Leicester were pretty anonymous for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the, probably in the whole first half really. But it's amazing how how little Chelsea had in response. Yeah, I, say, I, know, that, I know Chelsea weren't great last season, but I think a lot of people were expecting. I wasn't expecting big things from Frank. I wasn't expecting to come and turn them into title contenders. But I was expecting just to be just a little bit more exciting, perhaps. But you, you say yeah. I know they've got the transfer ban, but and they've got a couple of injuries and stuff. But they've still got some very creative players in that team. You know, Willian, Pedro on his day is a creative player. You know, Ross Barkley's had a good run of form and stuff. I don't, did he play yesterday? I don't remember seeing him. Uh, no, I don't even got on at all. Yeah, you know, Kovacic is, is decent on his day, I suppose. Although we haven't really seen the best of him since he joined uh, Chelsea. Obviously. Uh, Jorginho is the most talented man in the Premier League. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say, do you think Chelsea can build on this though? Well, it's only two games in, um, and as long as I think as long as uh, Lampard's given chances to young players, that's a success for Chelsea this season. Mm-hmm. They need to realise that they're, you know they're not going to win the league. I think they already know that. If they can find their way in the top four again, fair play. Um, but this is going to be a season of transition for them and there might be more results like this. Do you think Chelsea fans will stay with Frank? We, we 
they are quite well known for turning very, <laughs> very quickly. You know, I mean, say when when Frank left and signed for Man City, um, that's when the traitor signs came out and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, hang on a minute, he didn't get a new deal with you guys. <laughs> he's got, he's well, not going to stop playing football. No, no. Um, I, I, I'd like to think they will. He's obviously a club legend there, but. They haven't been the most patient. I was always surprised at how quickly they turned on Mourinho, um, considering mm-hmm. what he'd done. What he'd done there, but we'll have to wait and see. That's the thing, you know. They, they've they've turned on most people, and they will. You know, I know he's one of their own, as they say. Um, but they've got plenty of of their own players in the back room now. And like, I think who who was it when Di Matteo was there? Uh, was it Rafa? They turned on Rafa. Yes, uh, Di, Di yeah. Matteo. Because he was one of them, you know. Who, who do they go to next? They suddenly, you know, oh, I've had enough of Frank. Let's get Fraud, Claude Macaulay in, uh, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Aye, well, that's yeah. the that's the new the new thing, isn't it? Yeah, they they know the club, so they're going to win the title <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's quite interesting to say Chelsea not starting off brightly, Spurs not starting off brightly. At the moment, Liverpool and Arsenal are the two teams that are unbeaten. It's only two games in, so the top the table counts for nothing. It really annoys me that the match of the day and Sky keep showing the title, <laughs> the, the, the table. I don't care. Um, no, you know, show, show me in September. Um, <laughs> but even then, show me at Christmas. Don't let me see the table until Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think. I think it might be a more open season. You know, Man City. Yeah. They, they've not put Spurs away this weekend. Have a few more games like that. Could let let people in, I suppose. Um, we'll see, uh, and hopefully Newcastle can get out of their slump. Who've you got next? We've got Spurs away. Oh god, uh, you yeah. said. Oh, well, there's potentially. And then it's it's, it's what Watford home the week after that, which is shaping up to be a. Uh, I wouldn't say a six point at this stage, four but, games but, it, but it might but it might be a, a losing manager gets sacked. <laughs> so we'll see. Wow! Excellent. Uh, so yeah, that's it then, really. Unless there's anything else you want to discuss about the weekend's games. No, I think we've covered them all off there. Let's get off and watch uh, Monday night football. Then still nil nil at the moment. Or oh, Daniel James is is starting for uh, Man United. If you're interested. Is he? All right. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to watch him run at Matt Doherty. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that is it. You can find us at Man on the Post on Twitter. You can find Dave at at CM nine seven nine eight. Excellent. You've got more website content for the new season, I see, as well? Yes, yeah, coming on. Well, it's uh, just cm9798.co.uk. Excellent. Check them out for a good read if you're into a uh, championship manager and football manager. Uh, and that's it, then. Uh, another Premier League uh, weekend wrapped up. Uh, don't forget to always leave your man on the post. 